Hey guys, Chamai, welcome to the Cajun Eskimo show. I am your host, the Eskimo Libertarian, and this is my co-host, the Cajun um, Nice Beard Libertarian. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Better than the bearded truth. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Awesome. So um, how was your day? Oh, it's been great. It's been like Oh, it's been a scorcher today. It is so hot. It's like 75 degrees. I swear. <laughs> oh <laughs> We've been out God. most of the day and I'm getting soaking up those rays, getting ready because winter's coming. Winter <laughs> is coming. It don't, isn't winter always there? Uh, Well, let's see. I think within the last week, it was actually snowing up on like the higher altitudes. There was some fresh snow up there, so... I'll take my humidity. Winter is coming, folks. <laughs> Winter is coming. It's not even August yet. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the worst part of our summer yet. And you're like, oh, it's snowing up in the mountains. No big deal. Yeah. Soak up the sun while you can, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I saw some pictures of you where your beard had froze over because you have a better beard than Jason Lyon. Oh my god. <laughs> oh to... man. There's always yeah, that. I... Too. <laughs> oh my god. Did there I make go, that one? Did you? I think I, made... I think I yeah, I put it in the group chat one time just to Yeah, you made that one. Just to... yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Co-host privies right there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So uh, I wanted to go ahead and put up our, let's see, please call in to anchor.fm slash the Cajun Libertarian, and we will add our own Anchor FM channel this week, so next week it will not be mine, but please call into mine for any questions, or if you just feel like you want to dunk on me or celebrate Eskimo, anchor.fm slash Cajun Libertarian, please call in. <laughs> it will be a ton of fun. Uh, you'll get to see. Uh, there are obviously no call-ins yet, so anything that you call in will be live, and you will get our reaction live at anchor.fm, Cajun Libertarian. Oh, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, well, right up with the uh, sponsors, Cumberland Cannabis Company, based out of Tennessee. You can get your weed online, only the best, viable, ethical, effective Cumberland Cannabis. I actually met this guy in Tunica, Mississippi. Great individual. He spoke at the Tunica event. I really like him a bunch. So please, please, please support this small business. He's also a small restaurant owner. Perfect. I love supporting local businesses. Absolutely. You know, awesome. else, you, you know who else we like supporting? Is it Joe Salaski? Yeah, no. it is Joe Salaski. <laughs> For Pennsylvania governor. He is the key to Pennsylvania's success. And uh, he's also the introduction voice for Matt and Spike on uh, Muddied Waters of Freedom. So beautiful voice, beautiful mm -hmm. views. Help this man get into office. <laughs> Yes, indeed, Jeff Zalowski. I'll be meeting him very soon. Actually, he's coming on the show here, or the Cajun Libertarian Live here pretty soon, and then I'll get to nice. meet him in Tunica. Yeah, and so he's a funny guy. 
very, yeah. very joyful, very playful. So far as I've seen, I'm, I'm very interested. Can't wait to meet him. Yeah, I'll feel much better uh, poking fun at him as a sponsor and whatnot <laughs> after I see. <laughs> he yeah, seems right? such a dapper fellow and very serious, you know, in his photo. And so it's kind of hard to make fun of him. It's like, oh, this guy means business. All right. <laughs> but, it's kind of it's kind of funny because uh, we had a clubhouse uh, room going on the other night, and there were a lot of Pennsylvania people in there. It was the night that I interviewed Steve Sheets, who's running for U.S. Senate, and former um, LP chair of the state of Pennsylvania. And then his campaign manager uh, jumped in. Then Joel Getz, who's running for mayor in, in Pennsylvania, jumped in. And then Jennifer, the state chair, jumped in. And we and eventually uh, Joe Soloski commented on the video. But, yeah, it was a whole bunch of fun. So Pennsylvania ought to be great. Joe Soloski for governor. The governor. The key to Pennsylvania governor. success. Governor. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm looking at your notes here and it kind of falls in line with what just was going on in Tunica, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. You guys were at a casino, a horseshoe casino, right? Yeah. Horseshoe uh, hotel yeah, casino. Yeah. yeah. Which I wish I could have been there. Would have been a lot of fun, but yeah, I wanted to talk about gambling in Alaska and uh, as we all know, when it comes to gambling, and that's there's a lot of um, restrictions on that all throughout the U.S., but Alaska is pretty tough. So one of the things that we do have, though, is called the Nanana Ice Classic, and it's the cutest gambling thing ever. I just have to talk about it <laughs> real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So pretty much, if Keiji wants to bring up the picture, you are betting on when this tripod falls into the ice. <laughs> so we have nothing better to do than to bet on when the ice is going to break. <laughs> so it starts in uh, February and uh, you can buy a ticket for $2.50 and you put your name on there and everything. And you say the exact time that that tripod is going to fall into the ice. So the date and time down to the minute. And this has been going on since 1917 because <laughs> we have nothing better to do. <laughs> so um, what's really funny. So like they have a live picture going on on their website and every 30 seconds it refreshes and like the tripod's already fallen for this year. Like we're in July. So like <laughs> the water is freely flowing. And so we're already done for this year. But uh, like I said, it starts February 1st and you pick a date and a lot of people are like oh I'm gonna pick my birthday or something like that it's good luck or people actually try and put it down to a science and like well it's normally around 4 p.m when the ice breaks you know statistically speaking over the past hundred years and usually it's on this date and so really you know depends on how you want to play it but it's a lot of fun and you can buy as many tickets as you want and each ticket is two dollars and fifty cents and uh, they also have merch available too it's pretty popular people have the Nanana ice classic and it's just so adorable like I don't know. Am I the only one that thinks it's cute and funny? And when does the ice break? I don't know. <laughs> and that's what it looks like. You, so that's actually the highway right there. So if you're driving up the Parks Highway going towards Fairbanks, um, you can look out to the river. That's the Nanana River. And uh, see if it's there. There have been times I drive in the middle of winter. I'm passing by. I'm like, oh, there's a little tripod. And, you know, the water hasn't broken yet. <laughs> so... Um, but actually, it brings a lot of money in 
So anyone in Alaska can participate, and I'm pretty sure tourists can too. And this year's jackpot was $233 or $233,591. Wow. So, yeah, it's Almost big. a quarter million dollars. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was ended up being 12 different people guessed the right time. And so it was split between 12 winners, but that's still a lot of money. I mean, considering each ticket is $2.50, lots of people participated in this. And uh, the Nanana Ice Classic is allowed to do this because they're a nonprofit organization. So it gives you the feel goods. And so the Alaskan government's like, yeah, you can do this. So the proceeds go to the American Cancer Society, Boy Scouts of America, uh, the specific troops in the area, uh, Fairbanks. Food Bank, uh, Nanana Public Library, Nanana Senior Center, scholarship programs, what have you. And um, most of the money stays local, except for the American Cancer Society portion. That one is for like the national organization. But for the most part, it stays local. And um, Fairbanks is the closest big town to them. So that's why they help out Fairbanks as well. And uh, so since it's a nonprofit feel-good organization, you know, folks at uh, Alaska down in Juneau are like, yeah, you can have this. And there's also one that's like very similar to this called the Kuskokwim Classic, which is on a much smaller scale. And that's along the Kuskokwim River and it's pretty much the same concept. So moving right along. Uh, other than that, gambling is very scarce in Alaska, at least in terms of legality. Uh, we have only two casinos, which they're like glorified bingo halls. And uh, yeah, we don't have a state lottery. In fact, only five states in the U.S. don't have a state lottery, and we're one of them. So Governor Dunleavy um, has shown support in legalizing gambling to solve state budget deficit. And so he brought this up in 2020 and a, pro and a few proposals to create new business opportunities and fix budget issues because we've been having budget issues that are pretty bad since 2016. Before then, it wasn't so bad. In fact, we weren't in debt, us in Wyoming. And now we are like everyone else. <laughs> so um, there's been close. a, <laughs> yay. So we are doing so good guys. <laughs> but now we have to fix the budget issues. So now they're looking at gambling as like, you know, the state running some gambling, uh, like state lotteries and stuff. So their focus is going to be on casinos, sports betting, and lottery. And like I said, Alaska is one of the five states that doesn't have a state lottery. And the money would, that they generate would go through to uh, K through 12 education programs and to address the domestic violence, homelessness, and drug abuse problems, which that's actually really big problems that we have up here in Alaska. Like we rank pretty high compared to other states when it comes to um, domestic violence and uh, drug abuse. So one of the concerns that they have up here is that there's only, there's, okay, there are less than 750,000 people in Alaska. So most people are like, oh, all five of you. I'm like, well, you're not far off. <laughs> so there's not a lot of people here. So is this going to be like a real thing that we can feasibly do? So they want to do a feasibility study for legalizing gambling here. And it's going to cost $400,000 to do it. What? I have no, 
right? So the state is going to spend $400,000. Be like, can we, can we run gambling up here? Oh my God. I have no idea where the money's going. It's all been so vague. What's put out there. However, I have come across, one of my friends came across, um, they're looking for college interns to help with this study. They're going to be paid $17.19 up to $20.57 an hour. So anywhere in that range, depending. And uh, looking at the job description, it's pretty vague. I mean, pretty much says some assignments may include research and analysis related to revenue forecasting and analysis for revenue and tax related legislation and testing and accessing data from the tax revenue management system database. Now you're just looking at numbers for the most part, uh, distributing information about oil and gas prices, production and industry investment. I don't know what that has to do with it. <laughs> so it's just a very generic, like you're gonna look at numbers guys and pass those numbers along and look at graphs. And you're going to be paid about $20 an hour for it. <laughs> and yeah, but still, I wouldn't think it would cost $400,000 to pay these interns, especially since they say that the study is going to be done by December. Um, and they said, if it's not done by December, it'll be extended to the next year, which is like, well, no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's so, going to be extended. Yeah, so five months, they're going to spend $400,000 to see if gambling would work well in Alaska, even though we have examples of gambling working well. Like I said, we had the Nanana Classic, and like the jackpot was to over $200,000. I mean, part of that, I mean, that's not including the proceeds that they earned and that they're giving to organizations and stuff. So after this whole research project that they're doing, they said that any legislative action is will happen next year based off of what they find. But <laughs> so and then and then it'll take how long to go into effect? How are they spending four hundred thousand dollars to be like, hey, can we like set up gambling here to fix our uh, our budget issues here, even though they've been gambling away our money in other ways. <laughs> so Every day. yeah which my whole big thing is there are so many restrictions about gambling in alaska in fact we are the strictest at least in the top five for sure if not the strictest state when it comes to gambling so it's pretty much the government coming in being like you can't spend your money that way guys which i'm not a fan of you should be able to spend your money the way you you want, you know, so long as you're not hurting others. So, yeah. <laughs> so, gambling works everywhere. What's the need for the testing? Do you want to bill Alaska $400,000 to tell them that gambling works everywhere? <laughs> And there it is. it's not about having to find out if gambling is going to work in Alaska. It's about the $400,000. <laughs> gambling I, works I should, everywhere. 
And see, the thing is, their budget is way out of control. I mean, I've talked about in previous episodes about the PFD and how like that's money that's supposed to be for Alaskan residents, but they see it as a cookie jar, then they've been stealing from that already. And they're still having troubles budgeting the or balancing the budget. And so they're like, we gotta fix this. So we're gonna introduce gambling and having a lottery and maybe that can help us with balancing our overspending. <laughs> so there, there's quite a few issues already with how much money they're spending. I mean, I could probably do another episode talking about other ways that they've spent money. For example, like when the state Congress gets together, they pay $200,000 for a gourmet chef for all their sessions. Oh, right. Yeah. Just so many different small things, like hundreds of thousands there, hundreds of thousands there. And it all adds up, you know, like they want gourmet chefs and private jets and, you know, and, and, and. So, I don't know. I just thought this was so silly. And I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, wait, what? Is this for real? I thought it was like an Onion article or something like that. But no, <laughs> this, this is real, folks. So Jimmy Eel says, and Jimmy, I'm always going to call you Jimmy Eel, bro, because that's what it is on fa- Facebook, and that's so much better than Jimmy Lee. Jimmy Eel says, yeah, like in Michigan, when casinos started there, the money was supposed to being the operative word, I assume, supposed to go to education. Yeah, and they can go on saying, right? (laughs) Maybe it's a road construction. I hear road construction is awful in Michigan. (laughs) But it, it is quite odd that they have such an issue with their budgeting that they're like, well, maybe we can go to gambling. But they're only going to it because they're so bad at the budget. And so they're like, well, this has been illegal because I don't know, the Bible said so or something like that. <laughs> it's really been, there's so much legislation up here that they're like, we're trying to protect you folks. And this is one of them along with alcohol laws. Alcohol laws are awful just to protect yeah, us folks. Brutal alcohol laws up there. So I don't know though, not uh, Eskimo. You've said quite frequently that Alaska is the most libertarian state. Um, in other regards, okay, we score really <laughs> well in other places, but gambling and alcohol is awful. Other places, we do pretty well, though I just saw a study that we're the worst place to start a business. Uh-oh. That's a recent study that came out, and I haven't looked much into it, but it, we scored like an F. <laughs> we were well, the worst state to start a business in the last year yeah we need help everywhere is what i hear with that yes we need help everywhere you want to hear an anchor comment call in moment yeah let's do it are you very sure (laughs) it's from thomas queter which is, oh, if you didn't know, in the state of New York, T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. That's Tom for 52.com, not to be mistaken with the number four, but the letters T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Uh, Thomas is running for Senate in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure if it's state Senate or 
U.S. Senate. I'm pretty sure it's state Senate, but he's not really running for anything because he can't run, and that's a great joke that he loves to pitch. But um, we'll go ahead and listen to Tom's. Oh, before we listen to Tom's anchor calling moment, I will say that Tom is uh, now a contributor of Muddied Waters Media, and so Tom for 52.com. Do you know we joke back and forth all the time on Clubhouse? But I love you. You're fantastic. Please donate. Please buy some merchandise from Tom for 52.com. Now let's listen to what he has to say. I hope this works out. I've never tried it before. <laughs> hey, Cajun. I've got a question for you. You want to plug it? You know you want to plug it. Come on. Plug it. Hope I see you in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I just plugged it, Tom, but I'll plug it again. Tom for 52.com. T O M F O R 52.com. That's T O M F O R 52.com. Thomas Queter, a man that is a, an outspoken, uh, outspoken activist for the handicapped community and a fantastic human being, has fought through. More in probably the first year of his life than most of us will ever have to. And that guy's even fighting harder for you in these New York. Please go check it out at the very least at Tom52.com. And some great memes out there too as well. I think there's some more coming. Did you hear about that? Eskimo? No, but I was thinking about the race that you, Tom, Spike, Tasha are all having. Oh, yeah. I am currently in the lead. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. I do not feel uh, valuable enough to be in the lead of that race. I'm trying to pull us. Nope. Nope. That's not it. There it is. Uh, I'm, I, I am in the lead with the candidates running behind me being Spike Cohen, Nicholas Sarwalk, Valerie Sarwalk, Tasha Cohen. And uh, then Thomas Queter. And so I'm not sure how yeah. that happened, but that's a thing right now. I don't expect it to last. So the most surprising thing out of all of that is that Tasha is in last place. Well, technically, last I checked. Uh, Thomas is in last place. Oh. So. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, the, the thing that I looked at it showed Tasha in last place. I was like, what? I thought like everyone was like, oh, Tasha's going to win this. And I'm like, how is she in last? She's going to like come in from behind and just blow past everyone. That's what everybody <laughs> keeps saying. Thomas Squeeter says state Senate 52. I knew that, Tom. I just wanted to mess with you. Um, I don't know what to, uh, Joel gets is back in my damn comment section. And he is relentless. Joel, no. All right. No. Just no. <laughs> he says Eskimo over Cajun. That's valid. Thanks, Joel. You're so um, sweet. Bootleg says refresh your anchor, Cajun. I don't need to, Bootleg, because I already saw it. You're going to wait. Am I being detained? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, you're going to wait. Not a real libertarian, bootleg libertarian, Chris Darnell. I don't know what alias you're going by today because I'm sure you're on a government watch list as you build guns. And that is that is the way. So you're going to wait. This is the way. As well. This is the way. So is that. 
all of the above. My uh, cursor is not wanting to work over here as we get messages flooding in. And so I'm going to move it off. I live in your comments, Joel gets. And we thank you, my friend, because you are the real MVP for driving the algorithm for this show. Joel gets for mayor, East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. I'll plug that for this algorithm driver. And then we have, what's next? I don't know because I don't know. I don't know how to read your Google, your Google Drive there. No, look, it's a lot. I have to scroll like seven miles down just to get to the next promotion. Oh my god, this Google. is the shortest amount of notes I've ever written. <laughs> like that was a really short segment. My thumb is tired just trying to get to Jack Casey RoyalGreen.com. Jack Casey is the author of the RoyalGreen.com series. He's got two books out, and the third one will be released by the end of this episode. Would you like to see a picture of Jack Casey? No, but you're going to anyway. There's him as the gayest pirate you've ever seen, and that's okay. We love him very much. That's beautiful. Isn't wow. it? He's clutching pearls. I'm wondering if there's a subliminal message there. So if so. you think I write a lot, this man... <laughs> Right, way more than I do. His yeah, book yeah. is like this thick. It's like, <laughs> like terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible how thick that book is. I've never read that, Jack. But even if I wanted to read it for entertainment purposes and I wasn't not reading it so that I wouldn't feel bad for shitting all over it, um, yeah, no, I still wouldn't read it. It's way too long, man. <laughs> I need that chopped up into about a chapter. Thanks. If he had an audiobook, though. Audiobook? Everybody's ASMR? Audiobook? <laughs> who's going to do, do the ASMR? Oh, we got another voice message. Oh, boy. We're going to save We're going to save it. No, we'll do that one. I'm going I'm to do that one just to spite bootleg libertarian. So we have another okay. anchor call in moment. As soon as I can find it. Is that it did? I don't know where it went though. It's there somewhere. There it is. Jimmy Lee. Jimmy, my man. Eel? Hi, this is Jimmy Lee. Known as the Libertarian Gardener. And as we start getting, oh, I'm calling in on the Chris Reynolds anchor calling. As we uh, start getting these governors elected, such as Natalie Bruno out there in, uh, in Oklahoma, and Soloski over in Pennsylvania, and end taxation, Dan, end taxation down in Texas, uh, uh, Jeffrey out there in uh, California, as all these people start winning their governorships, they're going to take over governor mansions. As they take over these governor mansions, all these governor mansions have pools. So my question is for you, Cajun, would you like to come to a pool party? Because it would be a real riot. Oh, I saw where that was going. Yes, he's like, these mansions. Oh, he's going to talk about pools. <laughs> Jimmy, I would love to go to a pool party with you if it was only you, me, and Tom Quater's upside down feet. You're welcome. I might go if you guys like give me some egg McMuffins or something. And there it is. That is 
I, I, oh boy. <laughs> Jack Casey says, I like Natalie Bruno, but I hear she's in a weird cult. You're the leader of the weird cult, Jack. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Let me scroll through some messages here. Where are we at? We're at 30 minutes. We got plenty of time to have some fun with this. Okay. What would Joel Gitz do for a Klondike bar? That is a dangerous question, Tom Queter. Oh, my God. And I hope it doesn't pop up in my comment section. I I'm glad we mind. got all the educational stuff done at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because I offered nothing. I just am going to do the entertainment part. There's too many and there's too many comments. I struggle with this on my own show. I can't even keep up with the comments. There was something that was hilarious earlier, and now I can't find it. That's all right. We'll keep moving. No big deal. Oh, Joel gets plug the Usyk caucus. That's on you, Eskimo. On me, you're the one that said it. It's you not my comment. I'm just reading the comments off a of restream here. Muddy Waters Media, Usyk Challenge, and Usyk Caucus. Both. Oh my God. Let everybody know what an Usyk is. No, they can look it up themselves. <laughs> Would you like to go to a pool party? Would you no. Swing? Oh my God. Dan and an Usyk. <laughs> JackCaseyRoyalGreen.com. What else? Oh, I've got a better beard than the bearded truth on Muddied Waters. There's always that. That'll work every time, all day. Also, have a segment on my new show, The Cajun Libertarian Live. How was that racist? Yeah, check that out. But I still have a better beard than Jason. Who's the bearded truth? And something about America. I'm not sure about that. I rest. feel bad for that man, actually. He has raised so much money, which is great. But <laughs> if you guys haven't seen, he <laughs> ate some really spicy stuff this week to raise money for a great cause. And Lord bless him. Because I don't eat anything spicier than mayo. And so watching him suffer like that, it's like, oh, my poor Eskimo heart. Like, <laughs> so do you know how much money he has raised uh i know it's at least closing in if not surpassed somewhere around the three thousand dollar mark i mean it's pretty incredible what they've done for that family not pretty incredible it is. It's amazingly incredible the goal is twenty five thousand. so you can find that gofundme link basically on any muddy muddied waters spot uh i have the promo put on my page i will post the if somebody could please post the gofundme link in the comments i'm sure that will pop up if it does not i will absolutely post that gofundme link in the comment section as soon as we roll out of here and everywhere that you can find it because that family is in desperate need of some help with their children and it's very important and jason we thank you very much for heading that up and uh you know, thank you to Muddy Waters Media for for hosting that. That's incredible. That that fundraiser has been phenomenal, and I can't wait for more of it. Even if it doesn't, go ahead. I was gonna say, if anything, that episode is absolutely hilarious and right, watch through right. it. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we love to watch him suffer. <laughs> I was just gonna say, even if it doesn't involve him burning his rectum any longer, uh, still a oh good cause. God. But if he winds up setting his mouth on fire a little bit more 
I won't be that upset because he keeps politicizing uh, his false narrative with that beard that does not equate to this one, which is all black. Well, it's not all black anymore. Just <laughs> a little bit of silver in there. It's mixed up. It's mixed up a bit. All right. So on to the next set. Oh, there's more messages. I, I guess I shouldn't even try this because it's never going to stop. But I love it. Thank you for the messages. You drive the algorithm, and that tells us that you're engaged and that this show means something to you, and we can't thank you enough. This is only the fifth show we've done, right? I mean, this is pretty incredible. Yeah, I like how we joined, you know, so many weeks ago, but Mr. Bearded Truth joined like last week and he's already been on more times than we have. (laughs) Side note, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, side note for sure. So, all right, let's see. Um, Still only not a real libertarian on here. He'll wait. Let me jump over to... The next, which is never that great, but I'm going to give it a shot. Hopefully, it's a lot of fun, and you guys might learn something as I have. So, I want to talk about an article that was sent to me by somebody that I cannot find now because it was sent to me by someone that was not a friend of mine on Facebook. And I hit the message request and he sent this article and I was like, yep, I'm going to talk about that right there. So if you're watching, uh, I'm sorry, I can't give you the proper shout out that you deserve, but thank you very much for sending this article. With that being said, the article, the title of the article is, Baton Rouge man builds levees to protect property from flooding. City sues him. Great. I think we're all knowing where this is going, right? I would hope so because, wow. But the details may surprise you, but they probably won't because it is the United States government. A longtime resident in Baton Rouge will have to dismantle homemade ring levees. He built around his property or faced the city parish, removing them and sending a bill. The ongoing fight is spelled out in a court judgment that was signed in favor of Baton Rouge meaning city in April. Very recent. So this guy's name is Ken Gidry. He has owned that property for 35 years. Okay. And he has done everything he was supposed to do in keeping up his property. This man was just trying to take care of what he has built up, what he quote-unquote owns. Of course, we know that if you're paying property tax for the rest of your life, you don't actually own it. You're still just renting it because if you don't pay it, they're going to come and take it. So what I'm going to get into a lot here. Some of it's going to be rabbit trails but you're going to understand why as i begin to tie it all in this guy is talking about something that's very close to me because my grandfather my entire family's from baton Rouge, louisiana from south louisiana where they're swamped in marsh and this guy is saying a lot of things that my grandfather taught me and our family before he passed my wife even heard him say it 
And so a lot of it, it what we're going to circle back, circle back Saki, what we're going to circle back to is what we're going to call water displacement, and then we'll get into a little bit more, right? And so uh, it says he, he owns a sprawling piece of property. He noticed flooding concern about 20 years ago when they started when development ramped up at a rapid pace, and this is something my grandfather talked a lot about for a long, long time, was uh, development without proper science. And that's key for the government, right? That's just how they do things. They don't actually want to be efficient. They don't actually want to do the right thing. They just want to get paid for whatever they can get paid for. So Gidry, taking matters into his own hands, built a levee around his entire property. The problem for the city parish came when the levee ran adjacent to a drainage canal. So if you don't know what a drainage canal is, it is a canal that drains. There you go. Groundbreaking philosophy right there. Uh, everybody should probably be able to deduce what a drainage canal is. It is a waterway that will empty out water in a marshy, marshy southern area to avoid eh, i was gonna say to avoid flooding to attempt to avoid flooding so it does have its benefits don't get me wrong i'm not dish i'm not downing on uh drainage canals we need drainage canals but there, there's a lot else to this right of course there always is the levy could impact residents in the upscale settlement at willow grove subdivision let me backtrack a minute this article can be found on www.wbrz.com. www.wbrz.com. Baton Rouge man builds levees to protect property from flooding. City sues him. Fantastic. So, he said there's now, he has now flooded twice in five years with a flood two months ago bringing nearly four feet of water into his first floor home, which I'm going to get into flooding here in just a minute, which uh, if you never experienced flooding, it is brutal and detrimental and deadly, very dangerous. People don't like to view flooding like that because flooding, it happens so frequently, but flooding is, is extraordinarily bad in every manner that you could absolutely think of. And so one of the things Mr. Gidry, Ken Gidry, who owns the property, built his own levees, now being sued by the city of Baton Rouge, says, quit putting concrete down, improve the drainage. East Baton Rouge Parish Drainage Director Fred Rayford told WBRZ, same news network, the parish typically works with the resident to mitigate flooding. Wait for it. Wait. If they get permits. If they get permits, the city will help mitigate the flooding. Your home can ruin your entire home and kill people and give you diseases and far worse other things, which we're going to get into. Fantastic. However, the parish is now in the process of hiring a... Con this, is, this is the one that just... I got to find it again because now I'm really mad. Again, I didn't think I would get this upset when I read it again. I got it. <laughs> However, the parish is now in the process of hiring a contractor to remove Gidry's levies after getting that signed court judgment. So, they're going to spend money 
to remove this guy's home protection that he built and paid for himself because he didn't pay for the permits. And I guarantee you that it costs more money to hire the contractor to remove the levees than it did for him to pay the permits. Now, let me explain something for everyone that is thinking anarchy and minarchy and libertarianism will result in gangs of people and uh, thugs running around in groups just taking over the communities that have lesser government. That's what they're doing right now. They're coming to his doorstep and they're telling him, if you don't pay us, then we are going to fine you or worse, you'll get put in jail. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. They're coming right to him and threatening him because he didn't ask their permission to build a levy to protect his house. Instead, they're going to spend more money just to abolish the levies than what they would have collected in permit from him. And that's the entire, uh, that, that's his entire observation. It's, it's a fact. It's a fact, right? They are coming after him only because of the levies. I have that quote right here. It says, no permits. That's why they came after me. Ha! Huh. Because I needed to explain that quote, right? No, I don't, because he's exactly right. They're going to spend more money on contractors to remove the levies than they would have paid if he just bought the permits. I looked at the permits. I looked at the permit prices. I looked at the permit prices for flooding. I looked at how much they're going to spend on the contractors. Yeah, it's lopsided by a lot. So moving on so that I do not get stuck on that because that makes me so effing mad. If it, uh, Ken Guidry also says, if this is the, the guy that built the levees around his home. He says, if it wasn't for the levees, my house would flood during simple rain showers. And I can tell you why that is. All right. Just to recap guy builds levees to protect his home that he's lived in for 35 years. City says you're going to remove the levees or we're coming in and we're going to spend more money than what it costs for you to just buy the permits to build them, to make a point, to make a point. All right. That's Ken Guidry, WBRZ.com. So let's get into why this, this is important from, uh, yeah, you guessed it, Matt, right? You knew it was coming. It's the Nat Geo segment of Muddied Waters Media from Cage Libertarian. Amen. So you've got basically four to five different types of flooding. This is, a, this is relative. It's relative to the story. I promise you. Some of it's not relative. And we're going to have some fun with that, some of it. But for this part, it is relative. Flash flooding is what we're dealing with. Oh, backtrack. Sorry. Rewind. There are about five different types of flooding. There's uh, that can be a little bit, you know, negotiated here and there. But basically, okay. So the article reads, for the most part, there are five different types of flooding. You have flash floods, coastal floods, urban floods, river floods, and ponding floods. The two most common being river and flash floods. River flooding tends to be more widespread, encompassing huge swaths of land, while flash floods tend to be more dangerous. That I can attest to. 
let's talk about flash flooding because that's what this guy is dealing with is flash flooding. That's also what my grandfather talked about. And that's what he talked about when he said, stop laying concrete everywhere. Oh, great point to add, by the way, as long as you get the permits, it doesn't matter. They don't actually care if you're doing it the right way. They just want you to buy the permits. And he talks about it in the article. He actually did it the right way. Didn't matter. He didn't pay for the permits. People get it done the wrong way as long as they pay for the permits. It's called extortion. And that's what government does. It's no better than a gang of people running around with a gun in your face telling you you're going to do it my way, whether it's right or wrong. Or you're going to pay or we're going to shoot you or imprison you or tax you, fine you, all of the above. So with the flash flooding, that this is very uh, re related to this story. Flash flooding, low-lying areas, stormwater drainages, stream and creek systems. Depending on geography, flash flooding can impact areas far from a body of water. That's very important because in Baton Rouge, surrounded by water, many places in Baton Rouge, Water's nowhere close, so why would there be flooding? This is why. The impact is even greater in areas with impervious surfaces that can't soak up the water and inadequate stormwater runoff infrastructure. Twice this guy references that in his uh, interview on WBRZ. He says, stop laying concrete everywhere. Understand what you're doing scientifically. Number two, fix your drainage system. He said both of those things. Now, this is what my grandfather talked about at great length all the time. What he talked about was water displacement. And I have erased my section of water displacement. Doesn't matter. I know it anyway. Water displacement, meaning if a certain volume of water will take the same amount of space as if it was replaced by something else or vice versa. Uh, my grandfather used to talk about building infrastructure that was unnecessary and cluttered all in the same place at the same time. And that would cause water displacement so that when it rained, every time you built a house, every time you built a subdivision, every time you built a hotel or any type of system, that you would, you would move that water from one place to the next and it would not go where it was originally intended to go. That is also, you know, obviously that is somewhat unavoidable, but there are a lot of places that it is avoidable. And this guy is talking about that in regards to his house. Water displacement is a real thing when you build that structure, especially with concrete or any type of substance that does not soak up water, then you're moving that water towards the least or the path of least resistance, right? So it's going to go as fast and hard and heavy as it can in any direction that's absolutely possible. He mentioned that twice in the article. This guy knows what he's talking about. Natives know what they're talking about when it comes to their land, when it comes to their area. We should be more attentive and paying attention to what these people have to say that are native to the area, native to the land, and know exactly the landscape, experienced it for all their lives. This guy lived in the same house for 35 years. He's preaching the same thing my grandfather's told me for a long time. 
And then on top of that, even though he knows better than the government, he knows better than these people that are supposed to be, quote unquote, in charge, which they're not. They work for us. We don't work for them. They're your employee. Our generational grandfathers and grandmothers know better than they do. And we should listen to them. So, again, keeping with the theme of where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, Nat Geo from Cajun Libertarian to Money Waters Media. More about flooding, but not relevant to the article at all. Doesn't matter. Still fun. And you guys hopefully are going to enjoy it. Now, when you're dealing with floodwaters in the South, there's something else that needs to be talked about. It's not just areas of concrete. When you have, when you live in a marshy land or anywhere, when you start to get close to coastal waters, there's a lot of water underground. So when the flood happens, a lot of times it's called backwater flooding, where it happens in a higher place in the state, but it doesn't have anywhere to go. So that water just flows right into rivers, creeks, and streams. And then it just barrels through southern parts of the states at an unreasonable rate. We actually experienced this in 2016 in South Louisiana when my son was just born. Uh, he was born in, at the end of July in 2016. And it was the greatest flood in Louisiana history. And nobody knows about it because the news didn't cover it. Why? Because it wasn't a hurricane. It was just a storm. It wasn't a tropical depression. It was just a regular storm that dumped a bunch of rain in the wrong spot and caused backwater flooding all throughout the southern state of Louisiana. The second largest storm or flooding event in Louisiana, I was born during. So there's a fun fact. My son and I both share the two great, we were both infants during the two greatest floods of Louisiana history. Um, same thing happened back then. It was backwater flooding in Baton Rouge because there's not a lot of space for that water to go. So it finds its way again through the least path of resistance. And then it affects everybody downstream. So some things that you got to worry about with flooding don't get in floodwaters. Okay. Why? Why don't we swim in floodwaters? Good question. I always did. I wasn't supposed to, but I did. But don't. That's an easy way for alligators and snakes, especially venomous snakes, to get fish and food and many other semi-aquatic to aquatic type creatures that live in the swamp understand what flooding means, where it brings a lot of life into a concentrated area and you are at risk. One of those risks are fire ants. Yes, absorb it, soak it in. I see Nullick's face and she's like, what the hell? How could ants, what do ants have to do with flooding? Actually, ants have a massive part in flooding and they're extraordinarily dangerous. They can kill an entire grown man if you get wrapped up in a floating ball of ants. Let me show you. I'm so glad I live where the air hurts my face. <laughs> that is a raft of fire ants. Fire ants will literally, because they live underground, the flooding comes, they'll jump up, not jump, they'll climb up out of the ground, they will actually stick their legs together, they'll hook their legs together, and create these giant floating rafts. Sometimes there's literal balls of ants floating, fire ants, and there's there could be hundreds of thousands of them at a time, and they will land on whatever they find next to get out of the water, 
And if that's you, they can literally kill a grown man because there's that much venom in them. So don't don't get into the floodwaters. Now let's dive in this a little bit because this is really cool. Okay, fire ants. These tiny creatures weave cool. their bodies. Yes, it's very cool. They're actually water repellent. Did you fire ants are water repellent? Are no, you saying <laughs> fire type Pokemon are effective against water? Oh God, I don't know. I don't know about Pokemon. That's weird. <laughs> I'm joking. Fire ants floating through water and killing human beings, however, is not weird. Pokemon's weird. That scenario I just laid out is definitely not weird. Probably weird. Fire Pokemon ants. is not yeah. weird. <laughs> so fire, these tiny creatures weave their bodies into water repellent life-saving rafts that float for weeks on floodwaters. Each ant is willing to support the weight of a certain number of ants that number being three so one ant will support the weight of three other ants but no more so the number of ants needed in a layer had to be the same as in the next layer now what we're talking about is not actually fire ant rafts we're talking about fire ant towers that they will build on top of these rafts okay so the number of ants needed in a layer had to be the same as in the next layer up to support the weight of all the ants above the next layer. Remember, so you've got one ant per three ants stacked on each other layer by layer. Tower, a tower of thousands of ants, or if not more. All right, plus one third the number in the next layer. Right, so it's always a third because it's th one ant per three stacked on top of each other. Guess what? The architect, Gustav Eiffel, used the same principle of equal load bearing for his famous tower. How cool is that? So the Alpha Tower was literally built on the science behind load bearing ants. And that's exactly wow. what you see right there. That is I a did tower not learn this in engineering school. <laughs> no, I didn't imagine you did. Yep, a tower of ants right here, which is layer by layer, load bearing, three ant, one ant to three, one to three ratio, three to one ratio is built for load-bearing, and it's the same exact model used on the right here for the Eiffel Tower. Now, getting back to the actual raft of ants. Ants would circulate through the raft, so as to take turn. Oh, I'm sorry, ants do circulate through this raft that you see in the picture, so that to take turns being underwater on the bottom. Now, I was told as a child that they secrete this glue that helps them stick together. And so far as I can tell, that's right. Well, what I was also told and what I'm finding out may be wrong is that I was told the ants on the bottom would sacrifice themselves so that the eggs and the queens and the other ants on top would live. But apparently they're smarter than that. Who knew? So instead, ants on the bottom can stay in place for weeks because they will rotate themselves from top to bottom and top to bottom in order to survive. And again, that's only until they will find something else to attach themselves to. So very dangerous, cool, fun fact, ants and Eiffel Tower. You never thought you'd hear that in the same sentence. And don't forget our man out down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, being sued by the city for doing something better than they could. And I could not sum that up any better than that. What you got? 
Good job, David Attenborough. Oh, thank you. I wish I, <laughs> wish I had the British accent. Yeah, I didn't even, I shouldn't try that because I never worked on that. Just keep your Cajun <laughs> accent. Yeah, it'll work. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll keep that. I got the good, you know, I got a good Trump accent. You want to go to uh, Chris Darnell's Colin, Anchor Colin? Shoot, why not? All right. <laughs> this is not bootleg libertarian. Not from not a real libertarian. I would encourage everybody to not go to Facebook or YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify and do not follow Not A Real Libertarian. Don't do it. Just just don't do it. All right. <laughs> I would also advise... Don't drink the entire bottle of Jim Beam during your podcast episode. <laughs> and then anchor call in afterwards. Yeah, I'm kidding. He, look, I oh. wouldn't say that if he didn't say something about it already. He was like, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. He said that in our chat. That's real. I can find it and screenshot it. See, at least when the laser legend drinks that much and does a call in moment, he's funny. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought I burned him. That's worse. Okay, I have a week's worth of just not burning folks, not making memes, all pent up. I mean, you're for those that don't know, I kind of took a break from everything for like a week. You know, I just checked in every once in a while, but like, here we go. <laughs> 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 That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, I think it's amazing that Darnell, you just got burnt by uh, Eskimo, who's on screen going. Pew, pew. I guess I am now too. So it's all right. Chris is used to getting burnt, and he lives that way. Uh. <laughs> so, um, I guess I'll say this though: there is somebody that I don't want to live that way, because we need them to help us in District 2 of South Alabama. And that person is... Jonathan Reels. Yes, Jonathan. that is right, folks. <laughs> he is running for uh, representative in District 2 of Alabama. However, he is not a Reels boy or a Reels candidate. Maybe he's a Reels boy. Yeah, he's a Reels boy. He's just not a Reels <laughs> candidate. <laughs> And he needs to raise $5,000. So if you want to help this Reels boy become a Reels candidate, <laughs> go to www.jonathan.cash. That's www.jonathan.cash. And uh, he'll take your moolah to be a Reels candidate. I don't know if he takes Bitcoin. Maybe. Cryptocurrency. Does he take Dogecoin? Dogecoin. Is that still <laughs> yeah. a thing? Or is that a joke? To the moon. <laughs> you know what else is to the moon? My beard is better than yours, Jason. Oh, my co-host said so. My co I don't even know what's next. I put my phone down. Uh, well, we, we, I, we, I'm we, obligated to help you out. I mean, Jason's no pretty cool, but like on camera, I have to be like, "Yeah, go, Kajen." Well, <laughs> you ruined it. Damn it. <laughs> No, I mean, I always stick up for you too. 
was trying to make it a little awkward there, but it didn't work. Uh, no, Jason and I have a great time. I mean, I love that dude. He, I'm pretty sure he loves me back. And uh, there's probably a bit of a bromance oh going on there. I hope he loves me back. Oh, yeah. Uh, it sounds like me in high school with my boyfriends. Oh. I hope he, uh, Jason. Jason. I hope you love me back. Even though my beard is better than yours. I'll send you a love letter. And you just have to check. Is my beard better than yours? Yes or no? But it'll only say yes. <laughs> That's your fault. You hate the ASMR. I had to do Royalgreen.com. Okay, thing. okay. I love ASMR. It's like a guilty pleasure of mine. But I like good uh, ASMR on YouTube, not this Muddy Waters <laughs> <laughs> horror ASMR that we got going. Muddy Waters has the best AMR of all the ASMRs. Jack Casey's texting me right now. This dude knows I'm on screen, and I'm going to watch it anyway. I oh. miss you, Jack Casey. <laughs> Oh God! What is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the he made a meme oh. of the royalgreen.com book floating on a firebed of ants, which is appropriate because the ants are better. I would rather run into the ants first, which what would happen, than have to read that damn book. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good meme, though, Jack. I appreciate it. So, Eskimo has on here wrap up for Tunica. Um, Tunica was Recap? a fun time. Recap that too. All of the above. Yes, at Muddy Waters we have all the things. That's how good we are. Um, Tunica was great. It, it was a, a first time doing that so far, to my knowledge, for the Libertarian Party of Mississippi first event. Uh, it was the first Libertarian event I've ever been to, and I hosted it. And so there was a bit of chaos leading up to with a lot of things as you would expect with any planned event, especially political event, especially libertarian party political event. But all in all, once we got into the day, right, once we hit Friday and then we got into Saturday, it all went really smooth. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to improve on and get better at, but efficiency wise or efficacy wise, sorry, it went very well. We raised a bunch of money. We sold every raffle ticket. We sold every raffle ticket for the gun. Thank you, Chris Darnell. Not a real libertarian. And we brought my wife brought the donations down to Mercy House Teen Challenge, the 501c3 that we were donating to. She dropped them off yesterday. We also have people mailing stuff to that uh, faith-based 14-month residential rehab that they don't charge their 45 to 50 men to. So they need all the help they can get. One last plug for that. There'll probably be more plugs for that in the future because I'm very closely tied with that organization. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for all of your support. Everybody got down there except for Eskimo because she couldn't get away from the snow. Even in July, there was too much of it. And it got her pants wet and she didn't like that. So she stayed home. But thank you for your donations. Thank you for all your help. She has nothing to say right now because I'm totally kidding. She had some intense family things going on that we will not discuss here because that's her business. But 
The rest of us made it, and we had a phenomenal time. Actually, Eskimo did make it. Go back and watch the podcast live from Saturday night at Tunica on Muddy Waters Media with Cajun Libertarian, Spike Cohen, and Matt Wright, and Eskimo Libertarian, who was actually just on a phone. Was that a phone case? We didn't. Yeah, we didn't even actually call you on the phone. We just pulled up your imagery from that gorgeous avatar, Alaskan avatar in the back, held it up in the front and said, oh, yeah, look. Eskimo's here. It's like the little smile. Yeah, I didn't know how to take that when they were like looking at the avatar, like, you got anything to say, Nalik? And then there's like, <laughs> good. And I'm like, oh, uh, I, have, I have so I much to dying. say. <laughs> I, I, oh, man. I was dying laughing, though, the way Spike did it, though. I, was dying. I, I watched it several times. It was hilarious. Got oh. anything to say, Nalik? Great. That was fantastic. We moved right on. It's hilarious. But yes, obviously, we wish you could have been there. I dropped my microphone here. Some errors I would just look over. We talked about this today on Clubhouse. But if it's quite obvious, I would just go ahead and address it because it's funny that I was getting very excited, threw my hands up, and then knocked my microphone all out of place. But yes, very much we miss you. Uh, Wish you could have been there. It won't be long till we get all together in the same space. That is just a guarantee. It'll be a lot of fun. Yep. I don't know when. I'm not sure when it'll be a lot of fun, but it will be a lot of fun. At the very worst, we will be in the Alaska convention next year, which is in April. (laughs) In Alaska. In April. Put the two together. It's not I'm planning it. Me and the vice chair are planning it. I've never planned a convention, never been to convention, so it's going to be great. Hey, look, we're in the same boat now. Never been to a convention, just hosted one, and now you're planning one. So It'll be so much fun. So Spike's much been fun. here during that time. It's actually the ugliest time of the year, but he still was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, well, it's really? You should come in, uh, I don't know, August, July? Well, yes. he's busy with Freedom Fest coming up, but uh, or no, he's in Florida this weekend with the philosopher. In Florida right now, yeah, Florida right now, and then uh, Spike and Tasha and Nick Sarwalk, Valerie Sarwalk, and myself will be in the at the Liz Terwilliger for Congress event in Pennsylvania, February. February, perfect. I said that fantastically, almost as if I meant to. September seventeenth through 19th but yeah they're in florida right now i know spike was up there in alaska in april he still looks yeah that is during breakup season so the weather is starting to get warmer the snow is melting so it's all rotten and slushy and it's just like and then stuff is being exposed and it's all dead and it's not it's not very pretty but you had a great time yeah (laughs) I'm sure you so, did. Didn't y'all do some salsa dancing? Yeah. So this is total coincidence. But the place where we had the Gold Rush event on Thursday nights, they have salsa dancing. And he's like, did you guys plan this? And we're like, no. <laughs> just They just do that <laughs> on Thursday nights. And so he had been up for like, I don't know, 38 hours or something like that. And he went salsa dancing with his wife because so adorable i think that's so awesome that he goes dancing with her and 
I just love it. I saw videos from uh, your guys' event, you know, with the breaking boundaries and how they were dancing out there. And I'm just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We had, we had fun. I was whooped Saturday night, so I didn't get to do any karaoke or any dancing because I don't stand up for like 75 hours a day. So my back was killing me, but I, we watched my wife and I sat down and we watched the whole time and it was quite enjoyable. Spike attempted his hand at some Spice Girls song that quite honestly, even as a trained musician, I would have not done any better because it's, it's Spice Girls. Um, but that was quite Get hilarious. out. Oh, I wish I had the power to gulag you right now. What do you mean? Like this? So, Cajun Eskimo show from Bayou's to Igloo's. <laughs> She's double fingering me right now. <laughs> she, look, I mean, you, <laughs> I'm a sweetheart. You are. You are. No, I lied 100%. She was not double fingering me like this down there at the bottom in the gulag where she is again. Cajun and Eskimo from Bayou's to Igloo's, Muddy Waters Media. I got to bring it back, y'all, because we do this together. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot to do it. I knew I was going to forget to do it. I had that ticker ready. So, but I didn't do it. That's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, look, we got to have some. That's cute. Fun, a bit of fun for me, and that's what he said. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> oh nice you got that right out the gate it's like kind of backwards i don't know if you see i did it backwards right there and hey. it's going Everybody's eager. So I'll, I'll try to remember to have a nope you had it wrong i'll pass yep, it off to you wrong. there you go you got it nice <laughs> nailed it <laughs> so you got anything else Just a smile, as always. Well, with that being said, we love y'all very much. Hope you enjoyed this Esk this Eskimo. Perfect. This, this Eskimo, right here. This one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just burying myself at this point. I keep trying to find the the my head above water, and I can't even do it. I can't even get out of my own damn way. <laughs> just, anyway, we love y'all very much. Muddy Waters Media, thank you. Uh, Nalik, I know you watched the show last night with Matt Wright. That was incredible, powerful. I loved every second of that show, but I especially loved the end when he stopped talking. No, I'm just kidding. Face. <laughs> no, I already talked to him. On, I already talked to him. On. I thought that uh, the, the backstory behind Muddy Waters Media was absolutely phenomenal and very passionate. Yep, I was touched me big time um I, I had to tell him thank you today thank you spike for for bringing us on and thank you jason for being the some guy way left off in the rear even though you're a part of this shindig way before we were we love you too and i guess uh from i used to igloos actually this is the cajun and eskimo show advocating for a freer world from bayous <laughs> nice we love y'all good night oh <laughs> yeah that happened it goes like that sometimes look now i can't even find the 
played the new This is now a 24-hour telethon. This is now a 24-hour telethon. Absolutely right. Roy Martin oh, says, I'm going to go hiking. <laughs> Figure this shit out, Cajun. I'm it's out. It's still early for... Still early for... <laughs>